2: Welcome back to the It's Podcast, Tom Hacker, alongside Steve Bartle. Check Steve out at SBartle247 on Twitter, myself at it. utone.com for a seven-day free trial if you're foolish enough not to have signed up already, or KershawSports.com. And of course, wait Subaru, our beloved friends, at 1207 South Main Street in Salt Lake City. They are looking for cars, people. Look, I'm sure you've seen the ships that are kind of docked out there, on the coast of California. Look, a lot of cars are on those things. And if you go to Nate Wade Subaru, <laughs> if you go got any bloody dealership at this point, you'll notice that there just aren't that many cars there because like 90% of the cars that come in have already been bought. So they <laughs> want to buy your used car. If you're driving a Subaru, whether you bought it from Nate Wade or not, doesn't matter. They want to buy it. You don't even have to repurchase when you're there. They, they, they seriously, they do not care. They just want to buy your car. If they, if they buy your car and you leave, great. If you buy your car and you buy another car, great. It doesn't matter. They just want to buy your car. Give them a call. Check them out. Mate, Wade Subaru down there at 1207 South Main Street. We love them. You will too. So uh, check them out. Steve, my man, you, ba- you got back from Palo Alto safe. Talk me through that trip, please. Wow, wait.
1: Oh man. Uh so are we talking like the drive cuz it was like a get out there and a get back kind of a trip for me. It was uh it was a doozy for sure. Um but I I got out to Reno, spent the night there and then uh drove the rest of the way Friday morning to Palo Alto. That was a that drive was a lot longer than I remembered it the last time I made it and uh, I'll probably never do it again. Although uh-huh. <laughs> The the driving the Mustang was, you know, that was, that was nice. That was a nice little perk. And, you know, I was cruising through, uh, Oh, what's the, uh, what's the pass there? Donner's pass. I was cruising through that area pretty, pretty well. So not bad. It wasn't a bad trip. Obviously the game, like it, it would have been nice to a, attend a game that wasn't over within the first five, 10 minutes. Like, but other than that, like it was, it was a good trip, man.
2: Yeah, nice. Um, the game. So you know what? 20, 20 Stanford <laughs> fans showed up. Stamp half a Stanford football team showed up, uh, and yeah. Utah. Utah just like ran the football in as dominant of a fashion as I can ever remember. I mean, there's that UCLA yeah. game where Joe Williams ran for. 300-odd, 300 300-something-odd 300 yards. Yeah, you know, that was obviously pretty impressive. They put up, like, 50, 60-odd points that night. There have been games, right, over the years that Utah's looked really good on the ground. Uh, in fact, there's been far more of those games than there's, there's been Utah looking good in the air. But whatever, it doesn't matter. But they had three guys go over 100 yards, Steve. How, like, So let's stop the it conversation. It was crazy. Like the offensive line just talk me through it walk me through the offensive line and 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 how they've gotten to where they've gone because they were poor at the start of the year How has this turned around so drastically
1: man it's just a group that's you know finally gotten time to work together um it's a group that's finally you know fully healthy uh for the most part obviously we're missing Keaton Bills who's been a big contributor to the turnaround as well but um, you know a big a big thing in all this has been um, just the the individual I don't want to say growth because they've obviously grown, but just kind of like accepting where they how they were playing, you know realizing how how poorly they were playing uh, and just that individual commitment to to bring their best. I you know, I had the opportunity to talk to to bam, Talked to Paul Miley, who's been great over these last two games uh, at center. Uh, and I also talked to Braden Daniels, who was named the Pac-12 Offensive Lineman of the Week. Um, and they all had kind of the same sentiment that they were, you know, they they just, they realized that they weren't playing up to their full potential. And and I think they had, had that kind of that moment in the mirror, you know, that um, where you're just kind of, you're watching film, and you're just like, man, like we aren't playing the way that we are capable of playing we're 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 not playing you know to our to our level how we thought we would you know these guys worked hard in the off season, you know, and that was that came from them that came from coaches um it was a group that worked really, really hard, and so I think you know for whatever reason since Braden Daniels moved out to right tackle. It's it's just been a group that's that's worked really well together. Uh, Braden Daniels has been a, a great presence um, at that right tackle position. He's kind of shored up pass protection from that side, and it's allowed Utah to kind of you know um, instead of being split on where they have to help, you know, going back and forth between the left side and the right side. You know, Braden Daniels has been really reliable, and it's allowed Utah just to kind of you know, provide help elsewhere. Um, and so he's been a big, big boost uh, and a big reason for this turnaround. But really, man, it's just the, the the group has finally got to play together. And these like the game reps are so much more valuable than than any amount of practice time. Right. Because you're learning how to react quicker against the unknown and um you know you can you can practice and you can rep things out in practices as much as you want but over you know over the course of the off season you can kind of get a kind of get used to how guys are going to play and you can kind of get used to you know and, and just kind of get complacent it's not something that you know they sit out to, it's just a natural thing when you see the same thing over and over and over it you it's just a, it's just a a common thing that happens and so though those game reps are so valuable just because, like I said, you are learning how to process, how to react, how to play against what you don't know is coming. And it's it's uh, it's certainly been a, a process for this line. And, you know, since that Washington State game, really since Cameron Rising um, entered the equation uh, in that San Diego State game, you know, it wasn't it wasn't great in that San Diego State game, but it's still you could see it improve um since that moment uh this season it's it's been a group that's played really really well together and and you know now they've started to really g- generate some movement in the run game and it's uh it it, it that is a, a a product of the chemistry and time together um and it's it, it was a lot of fun to watch on friday night
2: it's um i it's nothing short of a miracle for me. Um I mean, we spent 20 to 30 minutes not that long ago, maybe a month ago on this podcast, you know, where you were dissecting, like, how it's gotten so bad. I mean, like, go back to BYU. B- Utah could not stop the BYU Blitz. They couldn't figure it out. And they right. just... Whatever they did, whatever BYU did, they ended up getting into the backfield, and it and it was a long, long night down there in Provo for the big boys up front for you uh, for Utah, and and here we are, you know, a month and a half later, watching, uh, you know, and Stanford's an okay football team, but you know, they didn't just do it against Stanford; they have been doing it now for quite quite some time, and they are blowing right. defensive linemen off the line of scrimmage, like. Like they get like yeah. two to three, sometimes four yards of push. Uh, defensive linemen cannot get off their blocks. I mean, it's just like a, a massacre. It's um, it's very, very, very impressive. It's incredibly difficult to do. You don't see it often. Like you yeah. do not turn on college football and watch that sort of performance very often. It's it's seldom. It is rare that you you get to witness that sort of that sort of level of a. Uh, greatness from an offensive line. They are moving, Steve. It is uh wow. It is very very impressive. So I um I don't think there's any question that Utah is playing their best brand of football right now. I think it's it's a certainty. As it currently stands, Utah's playing as well as it has all year, which is a good thing. I just wish the NCAA would allow college football teams to practice against one another prior to the season. I just don't understand why they don't. And and because Utah, every single bloody year takes a month to get going. They, yeah. Especially on the offensive line. We spoke about it during four caps, Steve. We said it's been like yeah. three, four years. I just can't remember. And lo and behold, it happened again. So, who would have known? Who would if Utah had started just a little bit stronger, where they could have been They're, they're ranked number twenty-four though now, Steve, which is cool. So yep. they're starting to they're starting to enter the fray uh, of uh, of of kind of the national perspective, which is which is nice. Um, yep. Sadly, here's the sad news, uh, Steve. We, we're playing Arizona this week, so it's probably <laughs> it's probably going to be an, another another five-minute game before it's. It's over, (laughs) and then you've got Oregon, which is not good. I mean, you don't want that. You want you don't want two walkovers before you have to play the Ducks.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's tough, man. Like um, I was watching this this uh, Arizona team, and it's like against Stanford, there was you know some very clear things, you know, very defined things that they struggle with that what they were doing in the run game where. You know, it was kind of that stretch zone play and, and the running backs would just cut back, um, you know, against the green. Um, that was something that that all three of those guys were doing. Um, and that was something that, you know, if you go back and watch Stanford games, the, the opponents all found success doing that um, in, in a number of games. So there was something there with, with Stanford, with Orison, with Arizona. It was, it's just, they don't have that like one thing where they, you know, they clearly struggle with, they just like, (laughs) they just struggle, uh, against whatever it's. And I think, you know, Arizona is a program, like it's just a program that is, lacks in talent, right? Lacks in playmaking ability. Um, watching this group, you know, I, I came away um, after watching Arizona. It's a group that, like, I feel is, honestly, like, I feel it's a better team than than what we saw against, uh, against Stanford on Friday night in terms of what I'm watching. Like, it's a team that at least plays harder. Um, they just don't have the 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 playmakers, the, specifically at quarterback, you know, at offensive line, they don't have those guys um, to to uh, to capitalize on on the effort that they're playing with. Like it's a group that that plays hard. They they're just not that good. Um, and it's it's no disrespect to to Arizona. I'm not trying to be disrespectful of Arizona or anything like that. There's just a, a drop off. In the the level of talent um, from most of the Pac-12 in Arizona, and it's a product of Kevin Sumlin. You know, just kind of cruising his way through his contract there at Arizona. He did not.
2: You mean drinking? You, um, you mean drinking his way through his contract? Oh, Steve? He,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so you know, this is this is kind of the product that Jed Fish. Uh, has inherited. It's just a program that doesn't have a ton of talent in it. Uh, But I I do like the thing with this Arizona team, like I said, it's a, it's a team that's playing hard and, and, you know, they're, they're fighting, they're battling, you know, despite some of these scores and, and what they, they might suggest, like it's a team that's playing hard, which to me says that there's buy-in from the players in terms of, you know, their belief in Jed Fish uh and you know it's just a matter of time of of and then just a matter of him getting uh talent into that program but um you know it's just a uh this arizona matchup like this is it's going to be tough like i think it's going to be tougher than it was last week against stanford but still just the lack of talent utah should should i don't want to say cruise to victory but they should you know (laughs) they should pull out a a pretty comfortable victory here
2: well this is where we're at. They, they beat Cal, who didn't have, like, half their team due to COVID. In fact, Northern California and their COVID restriction guideline, protocol, whatever you want to call it. That too, you know, yeah. You know, they they can't even play this week. They're, the first game all year has been postponed slash canceled. I don't know what they came to the conclusion of, but um, they can't play. So, so Arizona beat... Cal without half its football team in Arizona, and it took like the last drive of the game to get it done. Right, and that snapped a twenty-game losing streak. And yeah. and and the ten thousand people that were in attendance rushed the field like they'd just won the <laughs> national title. I'm I and mean, I'm not even kidding that that yeah. that that happened. Yep. and like Jed Fish was just. On Cloud Nine, the, it was on a pack. It was on the Pac-12 networks. The the, the crew calling the game, Ashley Adamson and her gang. They they were like interviewing Jed Fisher's wife. Like I'm serious. Like it was like they just won the national title. It was yeah, and yeah. it was pretty cool because like they just snapped the 20 game losing streak. But that's where they're at.
0: Okay? Yeah, that's a big
1: deal.
2: That's where they're at. It's yeah. Like, like, so they're coming off a win. Who knows? Maybe that just completely <laughs> revolutionized that entire program. And they no, I'm joking. They're, they are building the foundation. Yes. That, that is where they are. They had, they are just they, they don't have a foundation. They're building it. Utah right. has got one of the more formidable foundations that has been built for quite some time. And that's why at the start of the season when things were going um pear-shaped you know, things weren't going right for Utah, we were starting to have conversations like, hey, are there cracks that are starting to form in this decade-old foundation that's been seemingly so steady for Utah? And now it's clearly that wasn't the case. Clearly we, yeah. clearly we were wrong and there were no cracks and it was just a, a slight hiccup. But that's the, the two programs are on completely different levels when it comes to uh when it when it comes to kind of where where they're at utah is at the top of the Pac-12. south arizona is firmly well i shouldn't say firmly colorado is not great either but they're, they're at the bottom so yeah um yeah. so we yeah, don't need yeah, to go yeah. into to arizona i guess because that, that that i, I just don't know you've spoken enough about them tv on thomas we need to talk about steve we haven't even uh, you know we i moved to the conversation on so swiftly and then i'm realizing. Tavion Thomas <laughs> is uh, an NFL back, uh, Oh yeah, just another NFL back. Uh, Devin Lloyd is a first rounder. Uh, Utah plays Oregon in two weeks. And I had this conversation with my brother-in-law and we were talking. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. We're coming to the end of the podcast. So, so just bear with us for a minute. But Utah doesn't need to beat the Ducks. But it would help, I have to imagine. Like, there's so many weird ways to think about it because they're obviously going to play each other more than likely in, mm-hmm. like, a month's time at the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah. So, like, does the does the, does the winner of the game in two weeks, do they go into the Pac-12 title game with the heads held high, you know, knowing that they can beat... The other team, like there are a lot of like psychological <laughs> impact that will come right. out of the game in two weeks. Utah's <laughs> playing Arizona this week. I forget who does Oregon play. I should They have play that.
1: Washington state, which oh. you know, that's a, that's a game where, you know, you look at it on paper and you're like, man, like Oregon should, should dominate this one. But like, honestly, like with everything that's gone on with Washington state, they're still playing like decently good football. Like they had a winning streak not too long ago. They they play a style where you know they can get hot, and so that's a game where you know it, it's it certainly is tougher than it seems on paper.
2: I'm just under the impression that you don't want walkover games pro- immediately prior to really big games. You need like a little bit. That's why there's there's this forever debate about play the playoffs or like. And, and I'm not talking about college football playoffs, but, you know, in like certain leagues, like higher seeded teams will get like a first round playoff buy, right? And everyone's like, oh, that's great. We love playoff buys. But then they come out in the second round of the playoffs or whatever it is, and they they just it takes them a half to like get into the game. It's like, well, they've yeah. take, they haven't played in two weeks. Maybe that's why. Maybe the playoff buy isn't all that it's made out to be. Maybe you do want to actually play like straight away, and just hope that nobody gets injured. And there's like, you know, it's forever this conversation. So I'm intrigued to see how Utah handles Arizona. I have no doubt they're going to steamroll the Wildcats. But that game, I'm already looking ahead, and I know they're not, but I'm already looking ahead at that Oregon game, Steve, going. that's That's, I mean, that's a potential college game day sort of game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, with Utah entering the, the college football playoff ranking this week, um, you know, the, a strong possibility at a big win tomorrow. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly something where, and you've got Oregon, a top, top four team, um, top three team. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's definitely reason to like, I don't want to say overlook Arizona, but you're, I mean, you're certainly, you know, aware of what's coming next week. And so I think, you know, part of the, the goal this week is, you know, to get a jump on these guys. You know, to get Arizona, you know, out of the way as quickly as you can. To come out strong like you did against Stanford, um, and just, you know, put it on these guys. Like, let's get in, let's get out, and let's move on to to Oregon. Um, you know, so it's it's gonna be interesting to see how they go about this this game obviously yeah, it's you know we um, we all want to see this team come out and play the way that they did against Stanford um and uh, i think that's that's going to be the goal like can they be as can they do it as quickly as as they did against Stanford where they were seemingly up 28-0 in, in just a couple minutes like you know i don't know about that like i do think you know Stanford I'm not, man, I did not hear great things about Stanford in terms of the, the culture within that program right now. But, um, you know, and, and you could see it on the field where they just weren't playing with a lot of great effort. And I I don't see that with Arizona, like they're going to at least come and, and come swinging, they're going to put up a little bit of a fight. Uh, and so, you know, from that aspect, like it's, it's going to be tougher than it was last week, despite what the records may say. Um, so it's, it's going to be important for Utah to come out strong and, and just, you know, send a message, get and like I said, get in and get out of that with, uh, with a dub from Tucson.
2: Steve, I'm going to end this podcast with a couple quick questions for you. Um, is Devin Lloyd the best defensive player in the Pac-12?
1: Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Like, obviously, there's going to be talk about Kayvon Thibodeau and his um, production and his presence. You know, along that defensive line for Oregon. You know, Noah Sewell is another guy that uh, is is going to uh, get some talk. But man, for for my money, and and what he's done, what he's been able to accomplish this season. Um, you know, he's gone from relatively unknown. You know, a lot of people. You know, if talking NFL uh, and, and draft specifically. A lot of people like were were maybe aware of him. Um, but I don't think anybody had him as a, as a first round draft pick. And now you look and he's like top 25, top 20, like he's a a certified first round draft pick almost. So, you know, the way he's played uh, and it's a product of his play this season. So, you know, for me and my money, and I think a lot of people feel the same way, you know, he's had a big impact. He's made game changing plays in a number of games this season Uh, and just with his leadership style uh, and, and everything that he brings to the table, uh, you know, as a player and as a person, like he's, he's the defensive player in my eyes.
2: And then Tavion Thomas, where, where does he rank in the running back field, um, in the, in the conference?
1: Oh man, in terms of touchdowns, like I think he's tops in touchdowns, which is, well, it's he's crazy. Got, he's
2: he's going to be like the most effective running back, right? But, oh yeah. Like, is, is, is he is he in the conversation, like realistically, because, because he had a slow start to the year. It's only been the last month where you've really seen kind of what his capability is, is... Is he now at a point though? You know, because we only we only have this is the last away game Utah's going to play, and then they've got two home games to close it out before the the champ the the Pac twelve championship game. But is he is he does he deserve to be in the conversation of the best running back in the conference?
1: I think so. Like I do think that there are guys like BJ Baylor up at Oregon State. Like he's going to get a lot of talk. Yeah. Uh, he leads the conference in in yards. Travis Dye at Oregon. He's gonna he's going to receive a lot of recognition as well. Um, but man, in terms of what he's been able to do, especially over this, because he wasn't playing really until the USC game, right? Like, I think he played one snap against Washington State. Um, so that was what game four. Uh, and, you know, since then, I think he's played in, in what, five games uh, and he's got 14 touchdowns, 742 yards. He's averaging six yards a pop, um, 82 yards a game. And so you factor in that Washington state game where he got a carry, uh, and then, you know, the, the BYU game where he got a couple carries. And it's like, you know, if you really look at what he's done in the games where he's played a lot of snaps, um, man, it's, it's incredible what he's been able to do. Um, eight touchdowns over the last two games, like just remarkable. He's certainly sprinting towards the finish line, um, and, and finishing stronger than a lot of these guys, I still think there's work to do for him um, to kind of overtake the best running back in in the conference. Like like I said, like I do think BJ Baylor, Baylor is probably still holding on to that title, although I
2: agree.
1: you know his his grasp on it certainly isn't as strong as it was two weeks ago. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, no, I I agree. I I I love I love me some BJ Baylor. I think he is. Uh, a force to be reckoned with. And yeah he, he, he's just, I don't know. He just comes across like, I love Tavion Thomas. I think he is like, he's a rare species. Don't get me wrong. The guy is six foot, whatever, 230 yeah. and can move. <laughs> like you do not find many of those. They are rare creatures. And Utah is very fortunate that, uh, that they have, that they have Tavion Thomas and Tavion Thomas is very fortunate that he has Utah. It's uh. It's a mutual love, I'm sure. But either way, I um, I think B- BJ Bale is really cool. I think he's physical, strong, powerful. He can catch the football out of the backfield. He's agile. I, uh, I think he reminds me a lot of, you know, Devon um, uh, Booker, not Devon.
1: Devontae yeah. Booker, yeah. Devontae
2: Booker, sorry. Yeah, I forgot his first name there. Um, I don't know. So anyway, it's I think I think it's pretty cool to see kind of where Utah's at. I will say this, Stephen, this is where I want to end the podcast. You mentioned this earlier. Um the the power of like the like a leader, I I think needs to be reiterated, like ad nauseum at 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 the moment. Because and, and 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 I think I've been overly critical of say, Carl Whittingham at times or, like, certain leadership styles. And and here's, like, part of it is because I think we're at a point in time where this current generation needs a different style of leadership to thrive, and I think the old-school kind of like intimidating leader, head coach. I just don't believe that that is the way of the future. I don't think the kids of this generation respond well to that and i think what cam rising's done this year is a great example of that i think he's come in and has been nothing but positive he was nothing but positive when he wasn't playing he was constantly trying to get the boys going on the sideline even as a backup for crying out loud after winning the job last year and only getting half a quarter before shredding his shoulder up so i i and and and, and look what's happened it's like yeah. it, it, there's it's no coincidence that this has been a result of positive energy from their leader at the quarterback position in Cam Rising. Literally, the offensive line looks night and day different. Tavion Thomas has no more fumbling issues and is carving up defenses. Cam's throwing the football. Solomon Enos is th- catching the ball more than he ever has. I mean, it's just Britton Covey's obviously heavy-featured. Ke- I mean, like, it, it, this is – and now the, the defense is starting to – you know, come into play and, and really hold its own, led by Devin Lloyd. I just believe that people need to understand the power of positive energy. And what Cam's been able to accomplish is nothing short of amazing. I think Carl yeah. Whittingham, to be perfectly frank, I think Carl Whittingham has learnt a lot from what Cam has, has accomplished this year. I was watching the game against Stanford, Steve, and I don't know if you saw you were obviously in the in the press box, but I was watching it from the comfort of my my couch Kyle Whittingham was shown on the television to walk over he walked over to cam towards the end of the game and they had a conversation and both of them left laughing and smiling and that what? Have, yeah that wouldn't have happened what? Like, he, like a year or so ago i'm telling you that's not who carl Whittingham is when he's <laughs> in game mode he is like dialed in and he actually like went over to cam laughed about something i think it was because uh jaquin jackson just went into the game and they were probably talking about how they were going to call the plays i don't know but whatever and and i'm just like that's a different carwood again yeah and it all comes back to one person for me it's cam rising because he is the one that completely revolutionized this season and um and turned it on its head so i think that's really cool I, i think utah's in a really good place um and I'll, I'll also go back and say, like, when, when I thought things weren't going well at Utah, like, part of the reason why I wasn't overly optimistic is because I just don't know if Carwoodingham Whittingham has what it, te- what, what it takes in him. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just, he's not, um, he's not overly positive. Like, he's, when things don't sure. go well like they spiral they spiral they have anyway spiraled pretty quick the first two years I was there we went five and seven they were horrible seasons to be a part of like you do not what so I I I think we're at a point now where like Carl Whittingham is I think this is the start of kind of like his his development into like this new era Carl Whittingham this new coach like Nick Saban's done it you know like that there are coaches that have done it um yeah. And I think Carl, when he has, it's taken him a while. You know, we haven't seen like Nick Saban decided he was going to have one of the most prolific offenses in the country for, for a few years, a few years ago. Carl, when has kind of like, he's just slowly kind of getting there, but he's getting there and that's all that matters. So I, um, boy, I, we need to get Cam rising on the show sooner rather than later. Steve yeah. chat to him about it. Cause I Man, pick his brain.
1: No. And, and that's, that's such a great point, Tom. Like, I think we've kind of talked about it over the last couple of uh, at least at some point this season where, you know, a lot of these guys on this team, you know, they aren't the four star and five star guys where they just have that confidence. You know, a lot of these guys need others to like really like draw it out of them to believe in them. Right. Like, I think we talked about this on the last episode, but I like that's what Cam has brought. He's brought that belief in others uh, and he's drawn out you know, a lot of confidence in guys where, you know, a guy like Devon Bailey, you know, he's making plays and, and just the offensive line, as you mentioned, Tom, like it's been such a a fascinating turnaround. And I I do think I'm with you, Tom, fully, fully on board with that, that Cameron rising deserves a ton of credit. If not all the, (laughs) like, obviously it's not all the credit, but a ton of, of credit for this turnaround with this team, his leadership has been incredible. And I remember that San Diego State game. I was really impressed with things that I saw before he entered the game. I, I think I made a note of it that, you know, he was he was searching guys out and and looking for him on the sideline to cheer him up and to to cheer them on, and then coming in and out of you know halftime, he was running to the locker room, running to the sideline, coming out of the locker room, like little things like that, where you see your leader. You know, just doing those little things, like it, it really just it can mean a lot and and a lot you know, you can't really pick up on and identify unless you're there and you see it and you feel it. And uh it's it's been remarkable to see this turnaround and and like you said, Tom, Cameron Rising is is at the as at the heart of this.
2: Yeah. I I yeah. So I for the record, I'm not gonna give names, but I, I have give I have spoken to current and former college coaches. I had a conversation with, with a local high school coach the other, the other week um, for, like, for like a pretty long time about yeah. this exact issue and how athletes today are just so vastly different than even athletes were a decade ago. It's just we, and so I, it's not just me that, that thinks we're entering this new, this new era of athletes. I've spoken to enough people at this point where I, I believe that there are a lot of people out there. Uh, that are in credible and coaching situations that also feel the same. So, um, so I just, I, I just love, I love, I just love what I'm saying from Utah. I really do. I think yeah. Carwood again again, kind of on this new trajectory, and there's just, su- there's just something about this year, Steve. I'm not going to say yeah. it, but you know, because I'm not going to jinx the season. But I think you know where I'm going. That it just, it just something feels different about this year and so uh i'm excited for the next month i can tell you that quickly are you going down you're not going to go down arizona this time and watch five minutes of uh, competitive football
1: no i i went i you know i made that mistake last week i'm not going to make the same mistake again um and i've been to tucson once and if you've been to tucson once you've been there too many times (laughs) so i uh and and the last time we were there we went to this restaurant together uh, in 2019, and apparently that restaurant is closed now, um, and so oh, you know that's that right. was just, And so I was just you know I was looking forward to that to me, you know if I was going to make that trip I've got apparently you know, uh, my uh, my in laws they live they have a second home down there in Scottsdale so it would have been like easy. I was like, nah, I'm not making that trip. Not this
2: week. No way. <laughs> Steve, I completely brain farted. That's that would have been made that would have been maybe the first the first time you and I had spent like significant time yeah. with one another, I reckon.
1: Yeah, no, it, it definitely was. It was a it was a fun night. It was good food. Uh like a great setting, that restaurant. Uh, it's sad that it closed down because it was such a unique place.
2: it was uh, great food.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, that was our our first time really, you know, hanging out and spending a lot of time together. It was a it was a fun night for sure.
2: Yeah, no, that was um, that was a good time. Hey, something we didn't get to is uh, is that Utah's now bowl eligible? Hip hip hooray! They're, Boom. Six, they're six and three, so good on them! Congratulations. Tomorrow's game is uh, is a noon kickoff. Believe it or not, uh, down there at Arizona Stadium in Tucson. You'll be able to watch the game on the Pac-12 Networks is uh is the TV broadcast um platform that you'll be able to catch it on so 12 o'clock 12 noon on the yep. Pac 12 network Utah taking on Arizona down there in the desert Steve as always it is a pleasure to chat to uh chat to you about Utah football uh, I cannot wait to do it again next week because next week, Steve is a big That's week. That's a big one. That's a big one. So uh we will uh we'll be back next week. As always, big thank you to Network Subaru um for all of their generosity in in making this podcast possible. Check Steve out on Twitter at SBATle247, myself at Tom Can Or head on over to utine.com or kslsports.com to catch either of our work. Steve, be well, my man.
0: I'm Dave Cauley.